Amen, 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 amen. What's up, elect exiles? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of y'all looked at me like, whoa? Elect, if you ain't been with us, you got to stay with us, man. Because we trekking somewhere, right? Right? Yeah, elect exiles. That's one, of, that's one of the church's aliases. Got a lot of aliases. You know what I'm saying? And so we excited that um, our life was marked for being strange. How many of you feeling strange these days? <laughs> How many of y'all feeling pressed on every side these days? How many of y'all know that's normal? <laughs> or, or you know now it's normal? That's very important. As we've been trekking through the book of 1 Peter line by line, but we've been, trying to, we've been trying not to rush through it. But we want to we not, of course, we will never milk the eternal scriptures, the holy scriptures of all of their juices. However, we want to take our time and just kind of mosey our way through the scriptures as we've been working through 1 Peter with people who have been dealing with challenges, new believers, old believers, middle-aged believers spiritually, and Asia Minor um, 2,000 years ago, and they are dealing with their faith. They're dealing with what, it, what does it mean to be a Christian? What, is, what are these strange things that are happening to me? What are, what's going on in my life? And so Peter, again, is informing them, because even though some of these people have been in the faith for a little while, some of the things are still kind of strange. And so, um, because everybody has preconceived notions about God. How, how many of y'all know that? And listen, people have, everybody has preconceived notions about God. And when, I, when we have preconceived notions about God, it's very important that they be corrected if they're not lining up with who God says he is. That's very important. Because most bitterness in the Christian faith comes from people that create a God that doesn't exist in the Bible. And then when he doesn't do things like they want him to do, they're, they're disappointed. But not realizing that the disappointment is unfair because you've created a God that doesn't exist and read it on to the true God. And so what Peter does is Peter says, let me chop up. Not just, uh, I want to chop up who God is. I want to talk a, a, about him a little bit. But then, I don't really want to do that, but I want to talk about what that looks like in your life and what your lives look like in relation to this eternal God. So, so it's extremely important that God informs us about himself. Why? Because it has very, very practical implications for your life. And because, because if you don't understand who God is, then you'll misinterpret and you'll miss out on everything he wants to do within every realm of your life and in every circumstance. <laughs> Therefore, we started the book of 1 Peter, and it seems like, like a bomb went off here. <laughs> Let me tell you why. So many of y'all are going through it. So many of y'all are dealing with so many challenges. I don't know if it started with the series. It was going to happen, and God, through his providence, just said, let me inform them. But so many of y'all are dealing with a lot of difficulty. And today, I'm, I'm going to finish up last week. We only got like halfway through the message. Then God added some stuff to it during the week last week for us. So, um, so we're going to finish up last week's, okay? But with a little, little bit, a remix of what you would have gotten last week, but didn't get it. So now we're going to get that plus some, all right? 
And we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna dive in. We're going to finish up the big picture. When I was talking about the big picture, <clears throat> what Peter does is as he's talking to people who are going through challenges, dealing with frustrations, dealing with hurts, dealing with being sociologically uh, ostracized, economically squeezed, spiritually squeezed, uh, uh, psychologically squeezed, emotionally stressed, and spiritually burnt out, he, he, he gives them a message. And he says, don't let the temporal circumstance outweigh the picture of what God wants to do futuristically. And so he wants us to see the big picture of what he's going to do when, he, when, the, when, when God redeems all things and places those in the lake of fire that are going to be in the lake of fire and redeems all creation, seen and unseen. Let that picture uh, uh, sit with you for a minute. And we talked about being refined. And we talked about a biblical understanding of worship during this time. That worship is not just when we come to the gathering, but when you're going through challenges, you must... And um, you must make sure that you have a comprehensive lifestyle of worship. I want to hear y'all say that. Comprehensive lifestyle of worship. Say it. You got to have it. You got to have it. You got to see yourself as a worshiper. That's why he tells us to rejoice with rejoicing. So, so Peter is going on and he's moving through the passage. I think we're going to just deal with today. I was going to go a little bit over these verses, but I think this is going to be enough. We're going to deal with verses 10 to about 14. So we're going to deal with basically four verses today. We're going to zoom into these and we're going to continue this deal on the big picture. And so I, got, I think I got just two points today, two. Two points. Number one, we are in the prime time of the unfolding of God's big picture. We are in prime time right now. <clears throat> Peter says, when something's on prime time, that means that it's being heavily watched and it has a lot of ratings. <clears throat> right now, Peter, in verses 10 and 11, said we have been, this time period has been on the radar of many people in time and eternity for over a 3,500-year period. A 3,500-year period since the first prophet. And we're going to talk about that today. But we're going to talk about how all that, you know, is real practical. Because I know we like practical stuff. So we got to get some practical. But before we get the practical stuff, we got to get the stuff that makes the practical worthy of walking in. Amen? So look at verse 10. <clears throat> he says, concerning this salvation. So remember last week. Remember, it pointed back to verse 9. He said, you will receive the outcome of your faith, the, the salvation of your soul. And I talked about when you see the word salvation in the New Testament, it doesn't just mean getting saved. See, the body of Christ, we've narrowed being saved to getting saved, but there are three phases of your salvation. Y'all remember them? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You were saved, you are being saved, and you what? Yeah, there are three phases of life. So what Paul sa Peter says here is he says concerning this salvation. In other words, the total redemption of you and I. And so what he's zooming us in, he said, let me explain some things about this. He said concerning this salvation. And then he goes and he says, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully powerful 
Now, some, pro- some people think it's just the Old Testament prophets, or some people think it's just the New Testament prophets. I think it's just the Old Testament prophets here. And um, the reason being is I'm, I'm going to spend time on that argumentation and why that's important. And we're going to dive into this because this is very important. Because he's saying that when, when God, by his Holy Spirit, came upon the prophets of God and the law prophet in writings, a.k.a. the Old Testament, he was giving them information. Now, most of their prophecies were very depressing. Because it talked a lot about judgment and God kicking behind and God being frustrated with his people's lack of response to him and the nation's lack of submission to him as God. And so we have everybody from Isaiah to Malachi and then those who haven't even written books, even back to Samuel and the school of prophets that he had. There were prophets that received two types of information from God. They received information about their time and about future time. And so as God would minister to the prophets, I've been going through Jeremiah in, in, my, in my study time. And Jeremiah, I don't know how he made it as a prophet. I don't know how he made it as a prophet. First off, you're told in the beginning that nobody's going to listen to you. So you're going to be broke. Then nobody's going to give an offering. So you're going to be broke. So nobody's going to listen to you. They're going to bury you in doo-doo from your feet to your neck. I'm going to have you walk around with certain gear on that has you almost new. I'm going to do a bunch of things to you. Look, look at Ezekiel. He lost his wife as a prophecy to God's people. These were cats that had some very hard lives. They had very, very hard lives. And and there was one thing that kept them. They're called the restoration passages. Say restoration passages. You see, in in, in the law and the prophets and the writings, to keep them sober, to keep those guys from not being all of their serotonin and adrenaline depleting and falling into deep depression. Well, prophetic utterances from God. Well, prophetic utterances from God that were comprehensive. Now, what he said is, 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 is before I dive into those passages, is he, is he says something interesting. He says, the prophets who prophesied about the grace, the unmerited favor that was to be yours and they search carefully. What's interesting is he talks about specific passages within the law, the prophet, and the writings where the prophets were specifically prophesying about us. This time period called the last days and what it was going to look like and the eternal future in Jesus Christ. And the prophets was like, oh my goodness, it's going to get better. God says not during your time period though. Can you imagine going through challenges and difficulties and God is saying, I'm letting your life be an alley-oop for people that don't exist yet. When when you look at their understanding, and and this helps people who are going through trials because God never promised them that it was going. See, preachers out here telling people it's going to be all right. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy coming in the morning. Yeah, you may have joy, but God still may not let you out. Can you deal with your life if God lets your life be one big trial? So when we look at the prophets... 
Hebrews 12 says some were sawn in half. Can you imagine being stretched out four ways and a guy taking out a saw and cutting you while you're alive because you won't prophesy the way they want you to prophesy? Just tell us everything's going to be all right. No, God promises judgment. Zip. Tell us everything is going to be all right. No, God said, and they're getting, I mean, cats got burned, tore up from the, I mean, I mean, these are the people that died for these pages to be written. And so they needed a word from God, not just some rhema word from some dude swinging through with a smooth suit on, lying. They needed a sure word, a sure word. A a word that was actually going to do something because one thing every prophet understood is that God's word never comes back void. And if he says it, it's going to happen. And if I die and it doesn't come to pass, doesn't mean that I disbelieve God, but I I become faithful and remain faithful for the time that he's placed me on planet Earth. Can you handle that? Can you handle that? Can we handle that? So when he talks about, they were prophesying about the grace that was to come, not the grace that they had. Can you imagine? They weren't, they didn't, that doesn't mean that they experienced gracelessness. It's just they didn't have as much grace as was going to come. And they were still called to be faithful in that time where grace wasn't fully fulfilled in their time period. Can you do the same thing? In a time full of grace, God has caused all grace to abound to you and I. And can we handle dealing with the little bit of light afflictions that we're dealing with? Nobody's sawing you in two. Nobody's boiling you in oil. Nobody's circling tires around you and burning you from your ankles to your neck. Nobody's cutting off uh, limbs. Nobody's um, burying you in defecation. Nobody's doing that to you. Nobody's gorging out your eyes. Nobody's castrating you. So can you hold on under the grace that has been given abundantly? We got less trials and more grace. (laughs) We got less trials and more grace. And most of us are complaining because we're not walking in the grace that God has made available. And we're going to talk about what that looks like. Because the passage, Peter, Peter lays it out. But I want you to get the picture of the beginning part of this so that you can appreciate what it looks like to walk in the grace that's given. Because if I run to how the grace is given, you'll shout, but you'll walk out unappreciative. But so, 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 look, at, so look, at, look at the rest of the verse. And it says, it says, and, and, to be yours, and searched and inquired carefully. So one, some, some, most of the prophets, many of the prophets... When they got prophetic utterances, they began asking questions. They began saying, oh, my God, when is all this going to happen? And they were, they, were, they, were, I mean, they were asking God over and over and over again. They went back. They pulled out the scrolls um, from the law. They were trying to figure out when was this time period going to be where God was going to unleash grace. Uninhibited, lawless grace. Lawless grace. So Daniel, my man Daniel, and and Daniel 12, matter of fact, Daniel 9, Daniel Daniel sees the the desolation of Jerusalem. 
Daniel 12, verses uh, 5 through 13, it says, In regards to the vision scene, Daniel asked heavenly messengers, How long will it be until the end of these wonders? Oh, my Lord, what shall be the issue of these things? He fasted for, 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 for a long period of time just to get interpretation. And the Bible says that demons were fighting against the angelic forces to stop the, the, um, the answer to that reality from getting to your man, Daniel. And so Daniel, he was searching and passionate about, he said, God, I just want to know when it's going to happen. You see Habakkuk, the same thing. He said, look forth to see what God will say to me. And it's told that the vision awaits its time. Check out what he says further. And he says, and they were inquiring, verse 11, inquiring what person or time the spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. Those are the restoration passages. Stay here with me. Don't let me lose you on this part. Stay with me. So they began to say, Dag, I'm hearing about this Messiah that's coming. I'm hearing about this dude that's going to come and unlock the Davidic promises. I want to know who this cat is. I want to know what the time is going to be like. Like, like all that I'm going through, Lord, like, give me, just, just help me to just, just lay that thing out for you, boy, so I can just be encouraged in the depths of the circumstances that I'm in right now. So prophets were screaming this out to the Father, and God many times would bring these passages called restoration passages, pointing to the sufferings of Christ. Isaiah 53. Isaiah 52 and 53, we get an answer. Through Psalm 22, we get an answer. Zechariah 13, 7 through 9, we get answers. Then the subsequent glories, restoration passes. Check this out. This is how God responded to Isaiah. Yahweh promises that sins would be permanently removed through Jesus. Through Jeremiah, Yahweh promised that Jerusalem would be restored and an unending covenant, an eternal covenant called the new covenant, would be established through Jesus. Through Ezekiel, Yahweh promised an eternal temple through Jesus being established. Daniel, Yahweh uh, revealed to Daniel, uh, promised an eternal rule established through the one who he saw in the fire. Dan, he, said, he said, when is this going to happen? He, Dan, God tells Daniel, the same cat you saw in the fire is the ancient of days. And the one you saw in the fire is actually the restorer of all things. And my man, Daniel, wigged out. Joel, Joel, Yahweh revealed to him, uh, the promises to return evil on their enemies through Jesus. Amos, Yahweh promises to repair Israel's brokenness and to make them eternally fruitful through Jesus. Obadiah, Yahweh promises to centralize his rule in himself through Jesus. Micah, Yahweh promises that there will be a hypostatic union between the eternal Lord and sinless humanity in the person of Jesus Christ. Micah 3.5. Check it out, fam. Zephyr Zephaniah, Yahweh promises that there will be an eternal celebration of Jesus. Haggai, Yahweh promises that there will be 
uh, there will be one who houses greater glory than the human temple made by human hands. Zechariah was promised by Yahweh. He states that Jesus will enter Jerusalem on a donkey one day instead of a big old fat Clydesdale horse. Malachi, Yahweh promises that Jesus will refine his people, the people of God, through their worship so that their worship can be pleasing. So prophets... We're looking for prime time. They have a TV. They have, they have TiVo. They have DVDs. They have VCR. They have Betamax. They have cassette players. They have 8-tracks. They have nothing. All they had was a word. <laughs> All they had was a word that one day God was going to restore everything in a booming fashion, but it was going to come through hardship. And their hardships was only commercials of more hardship for all of the people of God of all times to get used to. Because through much trial and tribulation, Acts 14, we must enter the kingdom of heaven. And so this is normal. It's a legacy that's been handed down to you. Do you like your legacy? It's a great inheritance. Then it says, then it says, First Peter, we're still under the same point. Then it says, it was revealed to them, that is the prophets, they were not serving themselves, but you. In these things that have now been announced, you, through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit, sent from heaven. It's interesting that he calls the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Christ. That was in them. In other words, he's making a connection to the spirit that revealed to them the scriptures as the same spirit that drafted us into salvation through Jesus Christ. First Peter 1, 2. Then he talks about the gospel being preached through the, through the, um, through the, through the apostles and New Testament prophets. The, the, um, the, the gospel that we get, they got from the Old Testament prophets. So they preached the gospel from the prophets. Powerful. Acts chapter 2, chapter 7, chapter 8, chapter 9, chapter 13, and the synoptic gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Check them out. It says, things to which angels long to look. Angels standing at God's side. And God says, I want you to go to this prophet and tell them this. The angel is on his way geeking out. Because he's got this information that he's about to reveal. And he's like, dang. He's blown away by what's because, see, angels are powerful, but they're not eternal like God is eternal. They can't see everything. When I say eternal, I'm talking about from everlasting to everlasting. So they can't see everything. So the angels have been getting cards passed to them through the scriptures over the years. And they were getting anxious and blown away talking to each other about, man, man, God just gave me a word. I'm back. Man, I had to talk to Daniel for a minute, man. It was crazy. Man, I gave him this crazy word. Man, let me talk. You gather around. While, God, this time off for a little while. We got to go serve in the mirror. But let me holler at y'all about what God was saying through my man Daniel. He said, one day, the Jesus Christ, the one we've been worshiping, that dude going to become a human. That's crazy. They was like, oh, snap. They was running around looking at camera. They was like, for real? He was like, yeah. 
I got to see that. I mean, we've been in God's glory. I got to see how he going to get all of that into that. I mean, this is rocking me. They're they getting rocked. And then guess what? Remember the fall? He's like, yeah, that was messed up time, wasn't it? Heaven was shaking. It was messed up. Woo! The fall was crazy. He said, yeah, man, I know. But guess what? He's going to save people and make it better than it was before the fall. Angels was like, angels was fainting and carrying on. You know what I'm saying? They was like, and the Bible says angels long to look at what they had been telling people was going to happen actually coming to pass. In other words, angels are sitting on the edge of their seats watching God's redemptive story come to pass in your life. Angels, they're rocked, not by you, but by Jesus in you. Because they remember when Satan fell. And some of them was like, should we have went? No, I don't think we should have went. You see what happened to them. <laughs> then right after that, he, he created that big lake. They were like, a lake? Oh, yeah, remember the lake? Oh, the lake of fire. Then some of them dudes up in chains, man, just waiting, just suffering. And they're going to be let down, out during the trip. I mean, they, they were like, dang, man, so we better chill. Like, we better chill out because you saw what the lake going to be like, what the, everything. And then he's going to get rid of all them angels, and they're going to suffer forever. And they were like, yeah, man, we glad we stayed. Give me a pound, man. Give me a pound, Gabriel. Man, I'm, I'm glad we stayed. Man, Satan was coming around telling us we should dip. Man, it's like that up here, man. I'm, I'm loving serving the Lord. Hey, angel on the north went, stay on your spot. Angel on the west went, stay on your spot. Angel on the south. And, he, and they stand at this spot because one day the angels are going to move out of the way and let more of hell in. Well, that's a whole nother sermon series. And so they're blown away. They're blown away by the acts of God in the lives of God's people. And what they're blown away based on the context of this verse and how people can accept hardship, never see what they see, and still believe God as if they've already seen it. It rocks them. It rocks them. Read Hebrews chapter 1, whole chapter. It'll rock you. But now, let's get into the practical stuff. I know y'all been waiting for that to get into the practical stuff. Second point, last point, then we're going to be up out of here. Peter tells us to remove anything that impedes upon you seeing God's big picture. Remove anything that impedes upon you seeing the big picture. My, my daddy used to always say, son, you'll understand one day. What's funny about what Peter is saying is he's saying, you'll understand but still not understand because God will, you will learn God for the rest of eternity. But check out what he says right here. He says, therefore, prepare your minds for action. It's interesting that he zooms in on the mind. It's interesting that he deals with the mind. This is one of my favorite verses. He deals with the mind. And we know that in the Bible... For the most part, mind means, uh, mind means way of thinking, passions, and will. Way of thinking, your passions. In other words, what you're passionate about. Way of thinking means what you value. What you value, what you are passionate about and what you want, your emotional, you know, emotional stuff. You, whether you, and women ain't the only ones emotional, fellas. We just express emotion differently. Amen. Like when a game is on, that's emotion. Y'all say, well, put, don't put an E in front of it. At least put a he in, a he motions or something. Don't make me feel all like silly putty or nothing. You know what I'm saying? No, nah, but, but everybody has emotion and a will. Our will was taken out of bondage through Jesus Christ. 
Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Y'all going to stick with me through this, ain't you? So he says, so he says, prepare your minds for action. I love this. See, what, what it, it points, of course, we got in Ephesians chapter 6, 14, it says, gird your loins with truth. It's the same idea here. What, what happened was they used to have a belt back in the day around their waist. And then can you imagine taking a tablecloth off the table and putting it around your waist and letting the rest of it hang down in the back? Well, when they were just relaxing back then, when, when they weren't doing war or mama was just washing some clothes or cooking some lentil stew or something, you know, and they would have part of it hanging down. But, 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 but what God does, because, because that means you're in a very relaxed state. There's no war going on. I'm not going anywhere. I'm just chilling. I'm just hanging out. But what Peter says, believers don't ever let your life be like that. So what he says is gird, in other words, it can be actually translated, gird your loins for action. Minds is a way of kind of working out our understanding of what he's saying in the figure of speech. What they would do when it was time, y'all, when it was time to either run or fight, they would take the tuck of it from the back and they would pull it up and they would pull it real strong while it's around their waist. It's like a tablecloth all the way around their waist. I was going to do it this morning, but it would look goofy. And, and they tucked it in so that when they were running or when they were fighting, nothing would get in the way or impede their movement. So when he says, gird your minds for action, he says, stop relaxing. Stop chilling. Stop hanging out. Now, now I'm, not, I'm not talking about we, we don't have time to enjoy Sabbaths and all of that. But what he says is he said, I want you to do the same thing you do with your belt and girding yourself. In other words, because this is a very vulnerable area, right? Everything between is, is protecting everything between the waist and the knees. And so when you gird it, you are covering it so that if you got in a fight, it would be protected. And so he says, gird your minds or prepare your minds for action. In other words, he says, I want your value system. Don't just get doctrine in your system, people. He said, I want you to get doctrine that does something. Ah, he said, don't just learn about the hypostatic union and get happy about it. That Jesus Christ is one person, two natures, um, united in one person forever without the natures mixing. He said, don't just get excited about that. Do something about it. He said, don't, he said, don't just believe that God is triune, one person, I mean, three persons, uh, uh, one essence, uh, uh, um, sharing everything. To God. He said, don't just get excited about that. Do something about that. He said, don't just get excited about inerrancy, infallibility and revelation and, and, and all of what you know about um, Old Testament survey, New Testament survey, revelation, all of your podcasts. That's fine. You podcast this cat. You podcast that cat. You got, you got a systematic theology book, a Wayne Grudem's book. You got Net Bible. You got all of that. But he says, gird your mind for action. He said, don't just load yourself up with a bunch of stuff that you don't have of the mind to do anything about. But the issue is, before you gird your mind for action, you got to have your mind changed. Let me say what that means. Romans 12.1 calls for our, our mind to be renewed. Some of us got stinking thinking. 
Some of us, if we girded our minds now, it will be stains all in it. Just I, you, take the picture where you want to, but it'd be a mess. And so some of us, our way of thinking has to become biblical thinking for our minds to even be ready to do something. Because he knows if your mind is changed, your feet will change. Yeah. See, some of us, the reason why we haven't walked with Jesus yet is because our mind hasn't changed yet. You still like things that you shouldn't like. Your mindset ain't married to God's mindset. And so you still, yeah, well, I, just, I, I just believe. You just believe what? What? Some of us aren't teachable. That's why we keep busting up everything and tearing up everything. Because we want to allow our mind to be changed. We're stubborn. So before you can get the action going, you have to have the information that's not like God changed. That's why Jesus Christ's first sermon was, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What does it mean? Change your mind about what you think things are like and accept the way I say things are. <laughs> Some of y'all going to get it on the way home. But you need to allow your life to be mined, chiseled at, set in your ways, that's a candidate for being broken. And God, listen, we're still in trials. He wants you to properly function in trials. And what God wants to do during this time of trial you're going through is burn out whack ways of thinking. And the longer you hold on that whack way of thinking, God's going to turn up the heat. Because looking like Jesus is more important to him than your tears. Looking like Jesus is more important to him than your increase. You can't increase until you decrease. So something in your mind has to be burnt out in order that something new can be put in the pot. So that means many of us need to start getting in the Bible. I know that's a real simple application. But some of us, we read this. Some of y'all ladies need to stop reading them, them little novels with the lady with the silhouette on the front and the dude with the, with the six-pack on the front. Y'all know what's in them joints. And David, the, the, the milkman, went over the house. I got your milkman. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Them old, that's, that's called female pornography. That's the best-kept secret in the church. Some of y'all reading one right now. It's right in your pocketbook. You trying to find a way to the bathroom so you can put it in the trash real quick. It's all right. Read Acts 18. They did the same thing. Burnt their books. But some of us need to, because many of us are being informed by the wrong sources, that's why when you try to do Christian actions, it does not work. The biggest issue that counselors have to work with people on is their way of thinking. That's the biggest obstacle to being a counselor. That's the biggest obstacle to being a disciple maker. And guess what it's the biggest obstacle to? It's the biggest obstacle to being like Jesus. You're not going to be like Jesus until you renounce some stuff. Matter of fact, some of y'all's way of thinking is connected to people that you hold in the wrong place in your life. 
because they got too much of a big voice in your life that your way of thinking comes from stinking mouths that create stinking thinking that, that continues a stinking lifestyle. Told y'all we was going to get some application. You ready? So it's very important. You can't cry on Sunday with tears in your eyes. You want to be like them, but you won't renounce anyone or anything or any place that is working against the God that you say you worship. Because now, then some of you, your obstacle is admitting that you don't know nothing. Unless you become like a child, you can't get in the kingdom. So you may need to say, I'm dumb. I, I don't receive that. I don't speak that over my life. Whether you speak it or not, boo, you still dumb. You don't receive it. I don't. I, I, I stand against that by the blood. You stand against it and just continue to be bloody and dumb. But a person that admits I'm dumb and I need help. Lord, I need my, Lord, I know I'm married to this way of thinking that's trifling, that's raggedy. And God, I want you to scoop it out, burn it out. I want every piece of this mess, this trifling, uh, garbage, bin, trash out of my mind so that I can be, I don't want anything in the way of me being like Jesus. You got to be relentless. You got to be relentless. That means that you're not, he's, he's telling you, don't let anything get in the way. Do you want it? Do you want it? Do you want to be like him or do you want to talk about being like him? Because being like him hurts. Being like Jesus hurts. Wearing your WWJD bracelet. I know it's out of style. I see some people still with them on. You can wear that all you want. You can wear Christian t-shirts all you want. But at the end of the day, when the dog turns up the heat, are you submitting to the heat? Gird your minds for action. Second area, passions. Let's stop. Passions, 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 passions. Let me tell you something. Passions come from ways of thinking. Listen, if you spend time in the Bible, but your passions are still not like what you spent time in, your way of thinking hasn't changed, that's why your passions can't change. <laughs> passions. He wants us to gird our minds for action. The greatest, many of us, many of us got issues. I don't want to turn this into a counseling session. But many of you got issues from your past that has locked you away. And you have ignored it. And you will not, you, you're, listen, and I and know how I know it because everybody's going through it right now. Issues from your past that you can't gird your mind for actions to maximize your walk with Jesus Christ because you have not submitted them to God's burning system. And the reason why you're praying and it doesn't seem like it's getting, not getting answered, the reason why you're reading the scriptures and it looks, you, you feel dyslexic when you're in the Bible is because you're holding on too tight to something that you will not face. I don't know who they are and what they are and what they did to you. Hurt that you need to be challenged through. Hurt that you need to be discipled through. Hurt that you need to be shepherded through. Whatever it is, face it. I'm telling you right now, face it. Allow this trial to snuff your behind out so you can be better for Jesus. 
I'm telling you, let it happen. Submit to it. Let God chip you up, crack you up, break you up to squeeze every single passion that's not like him out because you can't move forward in the Christian faith until it's gone. I'm just telling you, it's going to be harder if you don't just stop fronting. I'm just telling you. I know from experience I know from it that, that if you don't allow God to get to that way of thinking and those passions, your, 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 listen, you got to let Jesus get. I'm just telling you, if you if you let, if you open every single door, listen, listen, when, when, when the guy came over to the um, to do uh, exterminate the building, he said, he said, I'm just telling you right now. He says, I have to get in every room. He said, so before I get there, I need you and whoever to go to the basement to the third floor and I need y'all to open every door so I can have access to and if there are any sub doors within the door I need you to open those doors because I can't exterminate until I find everywhere where there is a pest y'all gonna hear me in a minute where in your life do you need to open up every door doors that you've closed for years Matter of fact, a door you closed last week. Open it up. You can't gird your mind for action until you open every door. You got to face it. I know you cry every time you talk about it. You break down in tears because it, they hurt you. They did it to you. That's okay, but you become, a, you become more sinful when you hold on to it and don't allow Jesus to get to it. I'm telling you. If you don't face your daddy issues... If you don't face your mama issues, if you don't face your cousin issues, I'm not trying to do a counseling session. I just know you can't gird your minds for action until you open every door and ask the Spirit of God to exterminate. I'm telling you. And man, when you see that no more rodents are coming in, well, what I like about what he did is he said, he said, Pastor Mason, this is what I did. He said, I went outside. And he said, you know, first I dealt with the root of it because we can open all the doors and that's fine. But what I want to do is I want to deal with the entry rays of the rodents. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back and I'm going to look around the foundation. I need to cut these trees out of the foundation because these trees got roots going down under the foundation that allow rodents and pests to get in. So I have to dig those roots up, pull them out, and throw them out. Matter of fact, parts of the, south, um, the, um, the foundation aren't sealed, so I got to go get some stuff to seal it because these rats can, these rodents can gnaw their way in and enjoy all of the spoils even though the door closed because they can slide under doors. But we got to deal with the foundational issues so that we can get rid of them. Some of y'all in here today need to deal with some foundation issues. So that means you got to go back far. You can open all the doors, but you got to go deep. I'm just, I'm telling you, I'm telling you for somebody to know, I ain't been on the earth that long, but I can tell you, when you try to move forward without dealing with issues, you will go backwards. And so he says, prepare your mind for action. Then he goes to the second thing. I like it. Like what he says. He says, prepare your mind for action. Then he goes there and he says, and being sober-minded. Oh, sober-minded. Be sober-minded. Peter says that a lot. Be sober-minded. In other words, he wants us to get our passions under control. 
He wants us to get our passions under control. He's not just talking about not drinking alcohol. That's not what he's talking about. But, he said, but what, what, what this means is, is when you do drink too much alcohol, what happens is, is your thalamus, is, all the water is pulled out of your thalamus. And what happens is you lose balance, you get tipsy, you're like, what's up there? Hey, hey, what's that music coming from? Ain't no music on, you dancing and carrying on. Drunk. He says, remove anything out of the way that impedes upon your spiritual motor skills. Remove it. What are you intoxicated with in your passions right now? Is it pornography? Are you, are you intoxicated? What in your life that you're not free to be intoxicated by that God hasn't checked off on? And he says, I want it out. When God puts you through a trial, he's, he's purging you. I'm just telling you, if you want to be like Jesus, this hurts, y'all. It hurts. But I'm just telling you, when it's out, you feel like you, I mean, you just feel like you've been cleansed in a way that you've never been cleansed before. The blood of Jesus has positionally cleansed you, but now it has to practically cleanse you. In other words, getting stuff out of your mind that impedes upon your ability to maximize the glory of Christ in every single area of your life. So he says, be sober-minded. So I'm hoping that nothing in our lives is restraining our ability, getting us out of sound judgment. When someone's drunk, they don't have sound judgment. We, my, my wife and uh, somebody was in the house the other, uh, a few nights ago, and they said something, something hit something real hard, and they went outside, and this woman just, just was drunk driving, just ran into something. That's why drunk drivers get in big trouble, because you shouldn't be behind the wheel with, uh, with the inability of being able to control a motor vehicle because you might just hurt somebody else. Well, you don't realize that when you're not sober-minded, you not only hurt yourself, but you hurt the people around you. There's so many casualties. There's so many casualties of a lack of sober-mindedness. Maybe your thing isn't certain things. Maybe your thing is just running around, running among, hurting people, talking about. In other words, God wants everything in your life under his feet. But then he goes further. And then he says, I'm going to come back to the B part of verse 13. We're going to come back to that. He says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. The word conformed means to be molded. Y'all know I like to collect vintage figures, right? Action figures. What's funny is when they want to make a figure, they take a piece, a block, and what they do is they chisel it until it looks exactly like what they want. Then they put a mold over top of it so that they can create more, so that they can reproduce a whole bunch of them. When he says do not be conformed, it literally means do not let the world mold you. In other words, what, on your, what, what, is, what is the world trying to do? Now, this is what's interesting. When you're going through trials, this is very important, you are your most vulnerable. And the enemy knows that you're your most vulnerable. 
So that's why he comes in during the trial trying to mold you because he knows you're more sensitive to his impressions. And so God is trying to make his impressions upon you, but the enemy also wants to make his impressions upon you. So, so Peter says, while you're going through this trial, don't let the enemy uh, mold you, submit to God's molding of you because that was your former mold. Now you're in a new factory. You're being molded after the person and work of Jesus Christ. He is the prototype figure and all of us are being uh, chiseled into his image. And so, so today I, I wanted us to think about when we look at God's big picture, the mind is a great battlefield for that. And the mind is the final frontier. I'm just telling you, the battlefield of the mind, that, that being the frontier that's going to, that, because if God conquers the frontier of your mind, your whole life will be changed. And so look what he tells us to do. He says, set your hope fully, verse 13, latter part, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus. Set your face, set your hope fully on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So what he wants us to do is, is it's interesting. He basically gives the example of as you look at what things are going to ultimately be like for Christians and the sneak previews of what things are going to be like when God gives us breakthroughs, many breakthroughs that will lead to the ultimate breakthrough. When a person is intoxicated by drugs and they've OD'd, they shoot them with a shot based on the drug that they took. And what it does is it, 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 is it automatically blows their high and they come out of the drunken stupor of that drug. That is what God wants our lives to be like. The, the lack of sobriety in our life, God wants to inject his way of thinking. He wants to inject his passions and he wants to inject his will on us because, listen, it will automatically sober you up, but you gotta be willing. And guess where the shot happens? It doesn't happen in your veins. It doesn't happen in your arm. Guess where it happens? In your heart. Many of us need a heart injection. And maybe you're here today and you've never been injected with the adrenaline shot of Jesus that will wake you up. Every one of us in here who know Christ have been pulled out of our drunken stupor by Jesus by getting a shot in our heart that woke us up from our drunken stupor. Maybe you're here today and you've never said, listen, 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 listen. Not that, I, not that I've been to church, I grew up in the church, none of that. Have you trusted Jesus? Do you have a relationship? Not religion, not I read my Bible, not I pray, not I help people, not I do community service. Jesus. Jesus. Not I, 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 anything. Jesus. There's no I in Jesus. Trust him and him alone. And that's for the believer, too. Continue to trust him and him alone. If you don't believe yet, trust in him and him alone. Jesus, Jesus became, the Bible says that he made him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf. 
And so the sin that each and every one of us had was placed on Jesus. Jesus was injected with our sin, and we were injected with his righteousness. But because he was righteous, sin couldn't hold on to him, and he was able to shake it off and get up from the grave on the third day. Maybe you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, whether you're in the balcony, whether you're on the floor. I know we got overflow. I don't know if anybody's down there, but, but, but I'm just saying, Christ and Christ alone, accept the adrenaline shot right to your heart. By faith alone, through Christ alone, by grace alone. By Christ alone, through grace alone, through faith alone. By Christ alone, through faith alone, by grace alone. Father,